that is going to be really, really special. And that's the second weekend of our friend series. And now you know what the whiteboards are for on the sides of the walls. Is for you have an opportunity to write your friend's name, first name, or if you want to put the last initial, that's fine. Please don't put the whole name there. But there's a couple of reasons, just as you saw there. It's a commitment on your part to invite a friend to be part of New Spring. Now, every weekend, as you know, everything we do here is with your friend in mind because so many of you invite your friends to New Spring. But that, that week especially is going to be so. It's about having, a, having God for a friend. Um, and, and, you know, the series on friendship is going to be big. So many things we're going to touch on. I, I can't wait for you to, it, it'll be the biggest series I've ever done, I promise you, by far. And that may be the biggest service I've, we've ever been part of because it's all about having God for a friend. And here's the thing. So many of us have friends that we've invited to be friends on Facebook. We need to invite them to be friends in the book of life. And so I want to encourage you to do this. And two things, as you saw, it's a, it's a commitment on your part to invite that person. Secondly, it's a prayer. It's the act of a prayer. And then there's something else, too. Thousands of New Springers will walk past that board, and as they walk past, they'll pray for you as you're inviting your friends. So I just want to encourage you. I know, I know in this service everybody's going to rush to get out of here to get back to the parking lot to beat the traffic jam when it's over. But please take a moment. Because right now, here's the deal. I just cannot believe God's not going to bring somebody to your mind. I already have at least one person that I've been praying for for a while, that he's not a Christ follower, but he's getting closer, and, he, and he's more and more responsive. And so, I'm, you know, he's the guy whose name I'm going to put there. And I may have others I want to put there. But we will have a gift for your friend. And now here's the thing. I know I look around. This is it's like we're already packed, so why don't we just double this thing? Um, <laughs> could, could I just say this? For all of you who are really, really committed to New Springers, especially on that weekend, if you're committed and you don't have volunteer issues or schedule issues, and it's possible if you move to Saturday night, all of our services, all four services are theoretically the same. So what I'd like to do is to ask you if you can move, if, if it's possible. If, and if it's not, don't worry about it. But if it's possible to move to Saturday night, we're actually going to do something special for you on Saturday night. Everybody who comes on Saturday night, that there'll be something special. You know, it'll be worth coming for, I promise you. So we do anything we can to just incentivize your, your help in that regard. But anyway, we start a brand new series called Friends. But right now today, we're in a two-week series called New Springers, and it's about what makes New Springers New Springers, and I got to tell you this, and this is just inside stuff, and I shouldn't say this on stage, but really, I needed three weeks for this series. Honestly, I did, but we have a very special guest speaker coming next week, Ken Ham, Answers in Genesis, and, and, and I'm glad he's coming. I'll be glad next week. Today, I'm not so sure, so if he's watching online, I'm sorry, Ken, I really did need three weeks for this series, because what, we're, what we talked about is New Springers are new people living new lives, and it's a new day. I would have liked to have had three weekends for those three concepts, but I've got to give you the last two today. So I'm giving you all this so that you'll understand I need to get on my horse and ride and really go fast. So please, if you will, please be patient with me because we've got so much ground to cover in these moments, but I think today is going to be a very special service. We've already talked about new, new springers and new people, and we drew that from 2 Corinthians 5.17 where the Bible says anyone, and I'm so glad that word is there, anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a... Oh, that's too tepid. I know we're tired and everything, but anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, right? This is, the old life is gone. Look at this. A new life has begun. And last week we said that that's the difference between God and religion and all the other things, all the good things about life like religion that can improve our lives. But God is so different because all the other stuff in life has the potential to improve us, also has the potential to cause us difficulty. But when God comes into our world, he makes us a new person, a new person. Now, here's the thing. The moment God makes you a new person, you begin to live a new life, and you will live that new life for the rest of your life. And then when you get into heaven, it'll be at a whole other level. Today I want to talk to you about that new life. But before I get started, let me just say this. 
One, and a good example, I mean, not a perfect example, but a good example of living a new life is getting married. Because when you get married, it's a new life, right? It's a new life. There is a symbol for that new life. It does not make you married any more than the symbol I'm going to talk about makes you a new person. God makes you a new person. But there's a symbol that that new life has begun. And in marriage, it's a wedding ring. You put a wedding ring on your finger to symbolize you're walking out and it's a new life. Now, you wouldn't put that ring on before you got married because that would be kind of cheesy. But after you become a new person and you're in a new life, you, or at the beginning of that new life, you put on this symbol. And guys, you may have wondered, what is baptism about? And there's so many weird ideas about what baptism is about. You know how religion is. Religion gets into stuff and just kind of screws everything up. Baptism is real simple. Here's the thing. God intended baptism as that symbol of your beginning of a new life. After you become a new person, it is that beginning symbol of a new life beginning. Let me prove that to you from Scripture in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Listen to this. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we may live, what's the word? New lives. Now see, that's the thing. Baptism is the beginning of your new life. Now it doesn't make you a new person, nor does it make your new life. But it's that wedding ring, it is that symbol of a new life. Now what happens in baptism? Paul, when he was writing about the gospel, he said, declared the gospel unto you, and he gave it to us in three components. He said that Christ died according to the scriptures, was buried, and he rose again on the third day. So what is it you need to believe? What is the good news that you need to believe in order to have a relationship with God? That Jesus died for you, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And that's what happens in baptism. If you're ever here on a watermark weekend, gosh, we had a wonderful Kids World watermark. It is so phenomenal. It's better than the Super Bowl. You guys ought to come whenever we have a Kids World watermark because all these kids tape a personal video. There was a six-year-old who just blew us away. I mean, he did a better job on this sermon than I'm about to do. I started to just play his video. He talked about how he trusted Christ and how this baptism was the beginning of his new life. And, I mean, he, he, he was on camera for about three minutes, and it was just phenomenal. But when you go to a, a, a watermark, whether it's Kids World or for adults or in any environment here at New Spring, here's what you'll watch. You'll watch somebody go below the water showing death and burial, and you'll see them brought out of the water, which signifies resurrection. Why do we do that? Because it is our personal way of saying my new life has begun. Christ has made me a new person, and I'm taking this first step of going through the very act of death, burial, and resurrection. Now, we're not actually buried in the ground like Christ was buried or buried in the tomb, but we're buried by baptism and raised. And one more time, look at this. We're raised to live, the last part of Romans 6, 4, new lives. Just to tell you what baptism is about. But now let's go into this. Here, here's the point of today's talk, or the first part. You could say, Mark, I have prayed to receive Christ, and you said last week, I am a new person. And that I'm starting a new life, but the old life just keeps coming back and biting me on the backside. If I'm a new person, why am I struggling with an old life? And am I really a new person? Because, see, I think that's the thing that, and, and I don't know about you, but I was in religion for a long time, and, and, and some of the, and I'm sure it wasn't intention, but some of the messages that I felt was sort of guilt-based. I mean, it's like I would go to church and there would be this guilt. And, and so I'd get into this tension and think, okay, well, wait a minute. If I'm a new person, why am I struggling with this old stuff? Maybe it didn't take. Maybe when I prayed, you know, I did something wrong and I didn't pray the right prayer. Because I, I, I'm a new person in Christ, but I still have old issues. I'm still dealing with anger and, and selfishness and lust and greed and all these things. If I'm a new person, why am I struggling with an old life? I want to talk to you about that for a few moments because I believe I can show you some things from the Bible that will help you work through that. Let us start with the most basic thing, and that is this. 
are, we, were, we did this last week. In case, so if you weren't here, the most important thing I said last week is this one statement. You are who God declares you to be. The key word there, the operative word is declare. You're not what you feel like. You're not the sum total of your performance. You're not what people think you are. You're not what your wife tells you are. Thank God you're not what your mother-in-law thinks you are. You are not, you, you are who God declares you to be. It's important because I think many of us, especially those of us who grew up in religion, it's like, well, Mark, I learned good girls go to heaven, bad girls go to hell. I learned good boys go to heaven, bad boys go to hell. Let me ask you a question. You know any good girls? You know any good boys? In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, there's none righteous, no, not one. So the important thing about this, and let me just read to you from the Scripture so that you'll know that this isn't Mark. This is the Bible. Romans chapter 4, the Bible says, but, God, but people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who, and are you glad these two words are in the Bible, who forgives sinners. Let's read on. David, that's King David in the Old Testament who wrote the Psalms. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those, look at this, who are declared righteous without working for it. In other words, they didn't earn it. It's not because of the life they live. God declared them as righteous. And last week we saw the basis for this. Now please don't zone out on me right now. Because here's the important thing. There is a basis for God declaring you as righteous. See, when, when you feel guilty and you wonder, how could God love me? You need to remember, there is a basis, and that basis is not my life. The basis is not your life. And, and it's also important for us in this 21, 21st century America where we're so sap and we have the idea that God is the Pillsbury doughboy up in the sky who just says, y'all all play, play nice now, and everybody gets in at the end, and you know whatever you do is sort of all right. No, 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 God's not like that. I mean, we, there's, there's not a cosmic God who sweeps everything under the rug. We wouldn't even have any respect for a human judge who would treat justice that way. There is a basis for God declaring you righteous, and this is what should make you smile if you have given your life to Jesus Christ. Read this with me. I read it last week. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And here's, I read through this so fast last week, I want to take some time with it today. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the basis on which God can declare us righteous. But now, on the other hand, Let's suppose for a moment that God said it this way. That's a test you have to pass before you can get to heaven. Pass, fail, test. Pass, you go to heaven. Fail, you go to hell. And let's do something. Let's leave Jesus out of it. Because a lot of people want to do that today. You know, I know every once in a while I get invited to become part of a function. They say, I would like to have you come to an invocation, but you need to pray a non-sectarian prayer, which means you can't use Jesus' name. So in other words, we want you to come. Don't bring Jesus with you. Hey, listen, let me just ask you something. I'm not trying to be a hard Hard case about this. Let, 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 <laughs> let, let me just be real straight with you. If you ask me to come, I'm going to bring Jesus with me. I'm not going to leave him behind. Sorry. But for the sake of, let's just say for the sake of discussion today, because people say, you know, how important is Jesus? You know, maybe he's not that important. Let's leave Jesus out of this for Suppose God says to us, it's a pass-fail test. Pass, get into heaven, fail, go to hell. How would you do? And what would you think it would take to pass? 
If you're, the, <laughs> if you're the average person, you think, well, 51%. All I got to do is get to heaven, stand before God. Good stuff's got to outweigh the bad stuff, just one little percentage point. Maybe one-tenth of one percent. A lot of your educators, you guys are my heroes. You guys are starting school. You started, you know, kindergarten, elementary, junior high, high school, college, grad school. You guys know 51% doesn't pass. What about 69? Is that it? Maybe 69% good, 31% bad, and you get in? Bounty? You want to know what it takes? Because the Bible's clear about this. I mean, if, if you want to get into heaven without Jesus... Here's all you have to do. Break no rule. Do everything God wants you to do, 100%. You have to be perfect. Well, only one person did that. His name was Jesus. He came into our world, and he lived a perfect life. I mean, read about him. I mean, you know, early in the morning, long before day, he spent hours in prayer, constantly did everything his father wanted to do. Was he good? Oh, my, was he good. He was so wonderful. I mean, I talked about last week, he took a whole trip to a country just because of one woman whose life was all screwed up. I mean, he, he, he was so awesome, absolutely perfect. It was as if he got through with his life and his file had all kinds of wonderful things and nothing bad. And he could hand it to his father and say, here is the life I lived. This is Jesus' file. Now here's Mark's file. This week I'll be 56 years old. I've never lived one day without doing something wrong. I've never lived one day of those 56 years and done everything right. Lord knows I haven't even lived one hour unless I was asleep. Probably did something wrong then. I mean, I. And that's just Mark. Oh my goodness, the stuff that's in here. There's nothing really in there. I don't come up here after the service and look. All right. I mean, you, you, and here's the thing don't laugh at me. If everybody, if the person sitting next to you knew everything about you, everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought, everything you would have done if you hadn't been caught by the police or your wife, if they knew everything about you, they'd get up and move. And if you knew everything about them, you'd get up and move. If you knew everything about me, you wouldn't listen to this message. All the ways that I failed, God, all the sins that I've committed, the stuff, the dark stuff that would be in this file. Now, you read with me a few moments ago. The Bible says God has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of Christ in him. Let me explain to you what happened when Jesus died on the cross. It's as if Jesus took out the pen. And he took the file with his name on it, and he marked through it, and he wrote Mark. And then he took my file and marked through my name, and he wrote the name Jesus. And then he handed my file with his name on it to the Father, and the Father put him on a cross. And someday I'll stand before God, flawed person that I am, and I'll take Jesus' record with my name on it, and I'll hand it to the Father, and he'll say, come on in. And 
that's the basis on which you get to heaven. And if you want to try any other basis, you're on your own. I'm not trying to be smart aleck about it. You're on your own. Well, let's move on. I mean, because if you're, if you're saying here today, Mark, I'm an, you say I'm a new person, but I'm still dealing with the old life. Remember, it's not your life that's getting you in. It's his life. That's what makes you a new person. You are who God declares you to be. And the good news this morning is if you are in Christ, God looks at me because I've got Christ's record. And God says, when I look at Mark, I declare him to be righteous. When he looks at you, he declares you to be righteous. Wow, we could just stop the service there and that'd be enough, okay? But there's more. There's more. Sounds like an infomercial. Number two. Now, here's the thing you need to understand about your old life. Even though it's around, those of you who are Christ followers, the old life is still around, but it's been disarmed. Let's read this. We need to just go real quick here. And I'm just going to give you scriptures. You can see what God says, and then you can take it on with you. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that, we might, so that sin might lose its power. Not lose its presence necessarily, but lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. So the Bible says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer, you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. See, here's the thing. Before you become a Christ follower, you don't have the power to live a new life. You try to change, but you can't. You try to say no, but you can't. But when Jesus moves in, all of a sudden, even though sin may still be present there and temptation still comes, you have the power of God to overcome that. And you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. There are a few of us here, and I'm not going to call any names, but there are a few of us here who have been a little rebellious in our lives. And there was a time or two <laughs> that we, and you shouldn't do this, with authority figures, we said something like this, I'm not going to do it and you can't make me. Don't look at me like that. Some of you have said that. I'm not going to do it and you can't make me. Now, that's a terrible thing to do with an authority figure, but it, it is a wonderful thing to do when Satan comes along. And he tries to tell you that, you know, you're going to have to love. And here's something, Christians tell me, I just can't stop doing that. Yeah, you can if you're in Christ. I mean, you, when Satan comes along, you say, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't have to do it, and you can't make me. Try that. Okay, number three. The new life is a daily choice, which, by the way, that's what New Spring is about. Every weekend, we're going to be talking about your new life, and hopefully we give you help for that. But the new life is a daily choice. Um, and the, the Bible is really cool on this. There are a couple of places in the Bible in which the new life and the old life are compared to clothing. So as a new person, here's what God is saying. Take off the old clothes on a daily basis, and put on the new clothes. Watch for that as we read through this. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. Look at this. It is like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with his label on it. All the old fashions now obsolete. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet, strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose uh, garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. None of this going off and going, doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. So God is saying this. The old way of life that you used to live with is greed and lust and 
selfishness and anger and hostility and unforgiveness and all that. God is saying, think about this. It's like clothes that don't fit and that reek. Now, here's the thing. Think about this. You're a new person. I mean, you, when you take a shower, do you want to get out of the shower, clean person, and put on clothes that are filthy and reek in a body odor and they don't fit? See, that's what happens to us. Because a lot of us, you know, I mean, when we dress in the morning, you know, we, 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 you know, and you can tell I'm not a clothes horse, but some of you guys, you really like to wear nice clothes. And so you like put on the best clothes. And it's like, I want to really present myself and look really, really good today. But the problem is many of us dress physically in new clothes, but spiritually we're new people, but we're putting on reeking clothes that don't fit. And by the way, in case you missed this, let me just summarize. The new clothes that we're talking about here is love. That means sacrificing for others, kindness, being kind to people, peace, gratitude, being thankful for what we have, humility, attention to God's word. In other words, each day of our lives, bringing God's message, God's word into our lives, self-discipline and forgiveness. God is saying when you dress, put that on in the morning. Why? You're a new person. And I tell you one thing that the Holy Spirit is working me over with about is do I match and gals don't do this, but you guys know it's like you dress and you, and you walk in your wife's, that doesn't match, it doesn't go together. And I'm colorblind, so really, you know, Meryl's like, do you know what color that is? <laughs> See, here's the thing. Some of us, we put on some new clothes, but we also put on old clothes. Like, take for instance, we talked about the Bible. And there are a lot of us that love to study the Bible. So, I mean, it's like tailored slacks. Man, we put on tailored slacks because I love to study the Bible and they're looking good. But the problem is, we're not kind to people. So, we put on this shirt that doesn't fit and it's ripped and it reeks. And we're saying to everybody, would you look at my trim, well-tailored slacks? And people are saying, sorry, I just can't get close to you. You're too unkind. What are you wearing? And do you match? Well, here is Mark's problem. I'm not going to tell you it's your problem, but it's my problem. I'm a new person. I know I am. Jesus has switched files with me. Every day of my life, I understand, and I've grown, but I keep failing. I told you, I don't have a day in my life where I do everything right. And so many times, listen, guys, I have days when I really walk with the Lord, and I just feel his presence really close. And just between you and me, I have days when I'm just cold. It's like an off day. It's like I'm out of step with God. I'm so glad to tell you that the message is this. If you're in Christ, you're a new person, and you're living a new life. And thankfully, are you ready for this? Every day is a new day. Every day is a new day. See, the Bible tells us we have, a, we have something to do here. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. In other words, here's the thing. If you've got something wrong in your life, bring it to Jesus. The problem is when we get things that are wrong in our life, instead of bringing it to the Lord, we run away from the Lord. We think, well, I'm just going to quit going to church because I feel uncomfortable. I've got something in my life that's dirty and smells bad, so I'm just going to run away from God. No, no, no. The Bible says bring it to him. I'll tell you a story real quick, and I need to really, really run through this fast. This is a hokey story, but it's the best I can think of. When I was a kid, my parents bought a suit for me. And guys, you just had to be there in the late 60s. I was 10 years old or so. It was copper. I'd love to tell you it was another word, but it was copper. <laughs> and when the light hit it, it shone. I mean, here's the thing. If I wore it at night and the lights were on, we just didn't need any lights in the southeast side of Fort Worth. I mean, it just lit up the sky. 
And my parents, my parents loved the suit. I wouldn't know all that crazy about it, but my parents loved it. So, they, you know, my parents said, you going to wear this suit. You know I mean? They just love this suit. And so in special occasions, stuff, my mom and dad, you going to wear this suit. Wear the suit. I mean, and, and we're, we're not in a church like this, but I don't know if any of you are ever in a small church where they, like, did potluck dinners and stuff like that. My church did that. And so we had one of those potluck dinners, and, and uh, somebody brought a pie. I think it's probably cherry pie, which is my personal favorite. And so I kept going back and getting more and more pie. And finally, I remember this. I had a terrible accident. I, I, I turned the, the plate over in my lap, and all this cherry pie went all over these copper slacks. And I mean, it was just awful. I mean, I didn't even want to think about it. It was, it was catastrophic. And all I could think of is I have ruined the suit that my parents loved so much. And here's what I did. I, I just sort of wadded it up and stuck it in the bottom drawer. And my dad used to say, Mark, you going to wear that suit? Oh, I just don't think I want to wear that suit. I do not know how many lies I invented about that suit, the disappearance of that missing suit. And finally, I just got my courage up, and I went to Dad. I said, Dad, i got to tell you the truth about this. And I told him the awful thing, and I thought, oh, man, I'm headed for the guillotine. So I said, Dad, this is what I did. And Dad said, yeah, here's the thing. I didn't know about dry cleaners. <laughs> Dad said, well, Mark, that's no problem. We'll take you to the dry cleaners. Two days, it'll be like, no. Here's the thing. A lot of us have stuff that's wrong in our lives, and we're running away from God, and we're sticking our lives in the bottom door, and we're inventing all kinds of lies to say that we're okay, when all the time we just need to take it to our Father, because here's the thing. The Bible says if we will take our dysfunction, if we will take our sin to the Father, He can handle it. It's not a problem for Him. When we take things to our Daddy, He knows what to do with it. The Bible says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us, and not only forgive us, but to clean us from everything that we've done wrong. I'm out of time, tech team. I need to go straight to Lamentations 3.23. At a weak time in Jeremiah's life, he said he felt like giving up, but the only thing that kept him going was Lamentations 3.23. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies. Now, now, wait a minute. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. If you have something you don't deserve, that's grace. Mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Every morning, his mercies are new. See, God never wants to start a day with his back to you. Whatever you've done, his mercies are new. Now, we're not talking about saying, oh, I'm going to go ahead and sin and God will forgive me. No, no, that's sin of presumption. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Christians who fail. Don't forget, you didn't make yourself a new person. He did. And here's the beautiful thing, this new life that you're living where it's a daily struggle and all that. Remember this, you're not in it by yourself. He is there to help you. And, and there's a wonderful promise. I don't know if Maxine Berry's in the service. I know she attends on Sunday, but I got to tell you, nobody has prayed for me other than my wife more than Maxine Berry has. And, and, and Maxine has prayed for me. And day after day at New Spring, she has come to me with these same two messages. And one is, God is so faithful. I cannot tell you how many times Maxine has told me, God is so faithful. And, and by the way, she's gone through some difficult things in her life. And, if, and yet, on the other hand, she's the quintessential definition of the joy of the Lord. 
But Maxine has told me this, and I've got this in a newer translation, but Maxine will quote it to me in the translation that we both memorize. She will say, always say, Pastor, he who has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, Maxine used to tell me that when hundreds of people were walking away because we were becoming a different kind of church. On the lowest days of my life, Maxine would say, Pastor, don't forget, he who has begun a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. And when thousands of people were coming in because we'd become a different kind of church, Maxine would still remind me, he who has begun a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, guys, remember this. Just like Maxine knew I needed that on bad days and good days, you need it on good days and bad days. When you have a good day following Jesus, you think, i got this Christian life figured out, you got to remember it's him who is working in you. And when you feel like a loser and you failed and you're cold, don't forget that he's not going to leave you abandoned by the side of the road. He started something in you, and he will keep working on you until you're everything that you were destined to be. Well, you just could say, and I've, I've met Christians before, love the Lord with all their hearts. And they've sat in my office and they've said, Mark, I just don't think I can do it. I've tried and I've tried and I don't think I can do it. Do you know, at the end of the day, you won't cross the finish line on your strength. You'll cross it on his strength. And Jude 24 says, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and to bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. See, the question is not, are you strong enough? The question is, isn't he strong enough? Listen to this.
Thank you so much, Melinda. I just want to close the service by saying this. It could be that you're here today, and for the first time, maybe it was really clear to you about how you have a relationship with God, that it's what God does for you. It's not you handing your file to God and passing the test. It's all about Jesus doing for you what you can't do for yourself. See, here's the thing. So many people have heard that he died for sins. That's half the story. The other half is that he gave us his righteousness. It was as if all our sins were placed on him and all his righteousness was given to us. And here's the word. There are two words about this process that are throughout the Bible. One is believe, because that's all we can do. And the other word is gift. It's a gift. See, you can't earn a gift. A gift you have to earn is a gift with strings. That's not a gift. A gift is a gift. And it's free. Guys, I'm not a smart man. <laughs> but I know how to receive a gift. If someone hands it out to me, I reach out and receive it. Now, you can't force a gift on somebody. No more than God can force eternal life on you. But he's offered it. He took your file, put Jesus' name on it, put him on a cross. And all you have to do is believe, put your confidence in it. Because really, that's all you can offer. You really don't have anything to offer God other than your confidence. And if you'll put your confidence and receive the gift, files can be switched. And if you're ready for that, I have a prayer. And please know these aren't magic words, but this is just a prayer that receives the gift, and you want to say it with me. The important thing is what you mean from your heart. But if you'd like to pray this prayer with me, I want to invite you to do it. Would you please? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you're awesome. That you would die for me. That you would pay for my sins. And then turn around and give me your righteousness. I believe. I believe. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave. I trust you with my soul. Thank you for taking my file and giving me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I have a gift for you. It's nothing like the one you just got. <laughs> But it's, it's to help you. And there's a packet. It's got a DVD and a little book I wrote. Not very long. This is how long books ADHD people write. <laughs> Hopefully I answer a lot of questions. Plus coupon for a new Bible. So all you got to do is take your talk to us card, bring it to guest services out there or in the back, and we'll give you this. Guys, thanks so much for being here today. New Springers and new people living new lives, and today's a new day. Jake.